Hey, <laughs> good to see you. <laughs> Love you to be here today. And um, it's always wonderful to see a full room of people. If it's your first time along here today or you're just visiting because you're celebrating. Um, Sasha, it is so good to have you in the house here this morning. How about you just turn to your neighbour, just say, it's good to be here. Get ready. Get ready for what the Lord's going to say to you today. Um, I just... I just want to go back to a word that I just had in worship uh, this morning. What an incredible time to be in His presence. The front row was amazing. It was really awesome here. I don't know what it was like back there, but wow, uh, just to come into His presence this, in this place is such an honour and a privilege. And I felt really undone. I get emotional in worship a lot, of, you know, actually a lot of the time. Yeah, it's going to rephrase it, but it's not true. But um, just coming into his presence can be an emotional experience. Like, that's okay. It's not like um, we separate emotions from spiritual things. It's very much a holistic experience at times. And it's not to say that if you don't feel anything, then you aren't experiencing the Lord as well. But just coming into his presence is life-changing, absolutely life-changing. And to, to miss a Sunday or to miss multiple Sundays, we're actually missing out on what it means to be a part of a corporate expression of praise to him and fellowship with one another. And it's, it's just a big deal to be in his presence with other people. It really is. Um, in, in worship, I had this random... Um, verse just come to mind and I just couldn't shake it. So I thought, well, I'll just start with it. And um, from Ephesians 5, 17, no, and uh, 18 and 19, really. Um, and th- I'm not saying this verse because I know of anything or anyone, all right? So it's going to come across a little like, oh, wow, we're going there, are we? Okay. <laughs> so get ready. Don't put your defenses up too high, though because the Lord may be speaking to you. Uh, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And a couple of things in this before we get... Get, get into this. Now, alcohol is, it can be an addictive cycle, right? It can be an addiction that is supplementary to the expression of what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Alcohol will come in and it will tempt us to be a substitute of what it means to be at peace in the Spirit of God. Now, I want to bring that word because if you're struggling with alcohol or you realize that you're just kind of like, ah, this is a habit I just don't need in my life. And you can recognize that as a, as a bad habit. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, a glass of wine is a bad thing. I'm not even going to go there with all that conversation. But if you're like, actually, no, I don't want this in my life. I'm going to believe with you right now that the power of that addiction is broken in Jesus' name. All right, you don't need alcohol to experience peace or freedom or joy. I love how this segues 
do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Immediately it's like, hey, don't do that because there's something way better. (laughs) So much better. And then it says, speaking to one another in Psalms. Suddenly being filled with the Spirit means that actually what you've been trying to do in the natural to numb your pain, that there, that thing is not connected at all to what it means to be in the language of the Spirit. So it's actually calling us into a maturity and saying, actually, there's a distinction here between being a spirit person and a flesh person. And the spirit person, it's, it's one another. We can't actually just say, hey, I'm a spirit person without other people. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. I mean, that sounds like, well, I've got to get a degree in spiritual kind of intelligence here. That's, that's out there. But actually, the Spirit language is a language to actually graduate through and learn through. And if you're hungry for that, I want to encourage you to d- desire, to seek, to seek the Lord for greater spiritual awakenings. Don't get complacent with just your level. <laughs> Like there's actually more. There's so much more. Songs of the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And I guess that brings us back to what it means to be, to have a posture of joy in our life. Is actually song is reflective of the joy that is in our hearts. And this is, this is the language of the Spirit. This is the language of what it means to be in the Father's presence. And we um, often finish the service with this, um, it's number six, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May His face, what, turn away from you? No. May His face shine on you. May He turn His face towards you. There's something of the Spirit that demands an encounter with the face of God. There's something that when we come into the blessing of God, we've got to know the familiarity of the face of God. It's, it's very much like a father-child relationship. And, and we've got to come to Him as children. So yes, we can be like, well, I want to grow in my spiritual IQ and, and all that. But actually, we never outgrow the posture of just needing to be childlike in our faith. And there's this, um, there's this bonding process that happens actually between a mother and a child within the first, I don't know, weeks, months of the, of the child's life. And it's called attunement. And when the mum or the father looks at the, at the child and they meet and they lock eyes and the mum will smile and, and the baby sees the mother's face smiling, the baby learns to smile back. And there's this beautiful synergy that begins to happen between the relationship of a baby and a mother because of what the, ba- the mother is projecting towards the baby. And the baby only will learn 
what joy looks like as the mother shows the baby what joy looks like. The, the baby will only learn, you know, to the first words as there's interaction and, and real connection between the father or the mother and the baby. And this is, this is so much in the same way that we need to experience God the Father, I think. I think the word draws us only towards intimacy and, and depth of what it means to have relationship with a God who is no longer distant. He, well, he never was. <laughs> He's not distant from you. He is our ever-present help in a time of trouble. He's not distant, absent, void of feeling. He wants to be so present with you. Actually, a couple of weeks ago, I was, uh, we were catching an Uber from an Auckland, uh, Sudima, Auckland, uh, where we'd been at a conference for the day, and we were catching a, a, an Uber to the airport, and I ended up sitting in the front seat with a, with a young man, and I thought, this is just an opportunity to share Jesus right now. I just know it was, and, and we got talking, and he was a Buddhist, and I just, and, and I've looked into Eastern religion, that was my one of the pursuits I went on as a 20-year-old to go, God, are you real? Um, realizing that if I looked at other gods, I would, you know, not realizing that it would just break my connection with him. And it just led to depression. Anyway, but I did, I discovered that Buddhists just try and do everything they can, become monastic, become isolated, become as good, just good enough so that they could be judged as being okay to be chosen, I guess. And I was just saying to this young man in the car, you know, this is, this is what Jesus said the father's like. And I just told him the, to- the story of the prodigal son and my testimony. And it's, it's this story that never gets old in our ears as believers. We've just got to always turn. We've got to always turn and run to the father. We've got to always know as we turn and run to the father that the father is running to us. <laughs> it's this incredible, you know, he's so incredible. He's so incredible. So we never outgrow um, this childlike faith that is that we need when we approach him. Actually, I was talking with Daniel Wildy, hi Daniel, over the week, and uh, we had a coffee together, and he was saying actually in the last week or so how the um, that he'd had this memory come back that he'd completely forgotten about. You can tell me if I'm wrong, Daniel. Just call me out. And uh, he he was. He uh, it was at school, I think, and he had heard. No, I'm wrong already. Yeah, no, because Bible and schools teacher came. Is it eight year old? Yeah, and um, Bible and schools teacher came as an eight year old, and the teacher um, just started, started talking about Gideon and told the story of Gideon's fleece. All right, does anyone know that story? And Gideon's trying to test God. Are you really with me? I don't want to go to the Midianites and you know and, and be your warrior. And if you're really with with me, I'll put a fleece out. And if there's a Jew, uh, then the fleece will be dry. And Gideon did that. And then he's like, God, but I need another clue. And so if the ground's dry, then the fleece will be wet. And so anyway, Daniel heard that story. This is a real tangent. And, uh, and he's like, you know, I'm going to get my sweatshirt as an eight-year-old. And I'm going to go put it out on the lawn. And I'm going to see if the Lord is real. And he did that for like, I don't know, a couple of weeks, I think it was. But his mum kept seeing his sweatshirt out on the lawn and kept bringing it in every night. And be like, what's he doing? <laughs> but childlike faith. 
Just do it. I think that's what my, my faith, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Um, Matthew 18, verse 3. Let's just read a couple of scriptures here. Unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 17, 20. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. I think that's an incredible piece of scripture that we kind of want to forget sometimes when we're feeling really discouraged and we've just kind of like, we've been pushing against the mountain, we've been praying, we've been doing everything that we can and then we just kind of want to turn our back on the mountain and then look at this word and just go, well, I, I don't know. I don't know, that, that, that word just didn't work for me. <laughs> Yet the Word of God, as frustrating as it is, is the standard, not our circumstances. I want to just bring you into a, a moment here from Jesus' life in the, in the book of Mark. And, and in chapters 4 and 5, Jesus is being the Jesus that we, like, go wow to. Like, in, in over these chapters, he's calmed the storm. Jared spoke about that last week. He'd, he'd gone across and he had delivered a demon-possessed man and the demons had got into pigs and pigs jumped into the lake and it was like crazy, but this man had become free and everyone in the region knew about this man's freedom because he was so bound up. Jesus had um, healed a woman accidentally who was bleeding. She just snuck up behind him and, and it was her faith and power had gone out from him. And he said, who touched me? And the crowd parted, you know, and there's the unclean woman there who's no longer unclean because she'd reached out and touched Jesus. Amazing. He'd raised a dead girl to life. Jairus, uh, who was a synagogue leader, he discovered his daughter was dead and Jesus said to him, don't be afraid, just believe. And he goes to this house and he commands the girl to get up. It's all happening in the life of Jesus. And then you turn the page and you come into Mark chapter 6 and it's like the tap turns off for a moment. What's happening? Suddenly, it's not as easy for Jesus. As a, it's like there's a lid being placed on and you're like, Glenn, what the heck are you talking about? That's not in my Bible. But what's happened is that Jesus has turned up to his hometown. Jesus has got his brothers over there and his sisters and, and his parents and his cousins and, you know, just the familiar faces and attitudes and maybe... There's some people that are a little bit jealous about how Jesus is doing at this time. And it says this in Mark 5, uh, Mark 6, 5 to 6. He says, now he could do no mighty works there. This is Jesus. What? This is the living word. What? This is, this is God. It's like he wanted to, but he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. I mean, I'll be happy. 
We'd be happy. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And the Greek word for marble, marbled, <laughs> marveled, is astonished. I mean, this this is what it means: wonder, amazed. It's thamazo. Everyone say thamazo. I'm like, what? Thamazo. <laughs> I guess that's how you'd say it, because it was amazed. Like, I'm, whoa. <laughs> and it's interesting, this, this word, thamazo, it's only referred to Jesus twice in the Gospels. And it's, and it's really interesting where it's referenced. First reference is that he was thamazoed at their unbelief. He was astonished. And, and he is, it's because he's prevented. He's prevented from being activated into his call and his mission and his mandate. And, and it's like there's this atmosphere that had come around him, this atmosphere of unbelief. And, and he just couldn't be the living word. Which is amazing because Jesus is the Word and faith comes by the Word. And why couldn't the Word be enough? It's just, that's... The, the other place where Thamazo is used, and this is the context for this, is that Jesus has just entered another city. There's another atmosphere in this place, Capernaum. And a centurion approaches Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, my servant, he's flat on his back. He is paralyzed and he's suffering terribly. And in Matthew 8, Jesus said to him, Shall I come and heal him? So he's, he's like, Hey, do you want me to come and heal him? And the centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come into my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. When Jesus heard this, he was thamazo. <laughs> wow. It's actually, it's an expression of wonder and amazement. And it's an emotional like connection with what he's just seen and and he said, these, follow, these following him, truly I tell you, I've not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. What high, like that's a high standard right there. That's like a gold star tick. And then Jesus said to his centurion, go, let it be done to, uh, just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. So we've got these two thamazo moments extreme ends of the, expect, the, the spectrum because it's the word amazed. He was amazed at their unbelief and he was restricted and he couldn't, he couldn't be himself. And then he was amazed at the faith of the centurion who just said, you say the word, you don't even have to go. You don't even have to be present because I know who you are. And I think there's something powerful in this, not so much about when we think of our own faith and we think of our, our mountain and we think of those things that we want to move. We're like praying for souls. We're praying for healing. 
we're praying and we can just think, I don't have enough faith. It's, and, and we can get introspective about how our, what's wrong with us. And we get our eyes on ourselves. And Jesus is going, hey, this guy knew who I was. His faith was only connected to who I am. You just say the word, Jesus, because I know who you are. I'm not thinking about myself. I'm not thinking of, I haven't got enough faith. I'm just thinking about who Jesus is. I just think that's a really powerful consideration for us to see. You know, great faith through our lives is really just knowing who Jesus is in the fullest extent. John 14, 12 says, Very truly, just as Jesus again, whoever believes in me. That's what faith is. It's not like going, I just have enough of my faith. <laughs> May the Lord turn his face towards you. May his face shine upon you. That's what, this is the posture that he's calling for us. May we know who He is in the fullest extent. May we know His nature. Whoever believes in me will do the works I've been doing and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Whoever, not pastors, not apostles, not just the people that lived 2,000 years ago with Jesus, Whoever believes in me, his words are eternal. Healing doesn't stop. We're not cessationalists. Healing is activated through the believers. Whoever believes in me. John Wimber called it doing the stuff. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I got a desire to see stuff being done, like kingdom stuff. I really do. And in worship here, I was just remembering so many different moments this morning of being in this room for the last 20 years, just worshiping Him as a youth pastor, seeing so many young people touched with God's love. I've seen healings. I've saw, I saw a burn on a young lady's hand just disappear as I prayed for her one night. I just, this is a very special place. This room and all those who have gone before us and worshipped in this in this place. And I know that I'm not going to confine God to this room in any way, but there's certainly an altar that's been built in this place and I just know that there's so much more. There's so much more. He's got so much more for your life. And when, I, when, when you think of the church, I don't want you to think that the church is the leaders or the pastors. You're the church. 
you are the church. We can only be the church. We can't, the church could never just be just kind of separated and responsibility just put upon just the chosen few, whatever that means, because we're all the chosen. We're all chosen. We're all in this together. And I just, I don't even know, I'm on a tangent here, mad tangent. I just, I just want, like we want everyone to know that they belong in this church. Like you belong. You belong. You belong in God's hand and belong in God's heart and belong with people. You belong with people. You ne- we need each other badly. And our culture and our, you know, our European ways just want to isolate us. But the body of Christ can only come into the full expression when we're leaning in with him together. Let me share this next story which doesn't have a lot to do with that tangent I just went on. <laughs> but, you know, I just, I've encountered Jesus with so many different people in this place over the years. I'm just so thankful for his grace. It's about John Wimber. Um, drink. John started this little church in Anaheim, California, late 70s, early 80s, and he was preaching through the Gospel of Luke. And in Luke, you get a lot of healing stories, right? And possibly more than any other Gospel. And and the church is, you know, meeting in a gymnasium. It's just a fresh plant. And, and week after week, John just can't get away from the fact that Jesus healed people. And so every week for months, Jesus would, uh, sorry, John would invite... I need a tissue, sorry, I just do. That is an anointed altar. (laughs) I should have put it in my pocket? Okay. Debbie says I can never also blow my nose and put it on the table while I'm eating. It's also gross. It's obvious, apparently. Everyone else knows that. I'm learning. Okay. <laughs> Back to John. John Wimber. Help me, Lord Jesus, not John Wimber. Um, so he's giving this invitation for people to be healed, and no one's getting healed. No one. And it's so discouraging. And people are leaving the church. And I remember watching uh, John actually speak in a video that he, he talked about one Sunday that there were some really sick people and they just were praying and believing and no one got healed and all the elders met behind the curtain because there was a curtain there and they all just wept together because they were so disappointed that there were no healings. So nine or ten months go by with no healings until one Monday morning and um, after church on a Sunday uh, Monday morning, you know, Monday is a tough day for pastors some days, <laughs> some Mondays, and, and, and the phone rings, and, and 
a, a man who had just started attending his church asked him to come over and pray for his wife. And he's like, Pastor, I need your help. I've just got a new job. We've just moved here and I've got work and my wife is sick and she's got a terrible fever and um, she can't get out of bed and I've got to go to work, but who's going to look after the kids and you've got to come over and pray for her. And so John reluctantly obliged to go um, over to his house and he prayed for this woman with a short faithless prayer. And after the prayer, um, in his words, he said he, he immediately turned around to the husband and started explaining to him that he, uh, and he, and it said that he had the speech down pat, you know, about why God doesn't heal. And he started saying, you know, sometimes uh, these things don't work and healing is just, you know, sometimes. And then as he's just trying to explain, he, um, the guy's no longer looking at John and he's looking over his shoulder and, and, and there's a massive smile on his face and he turns around and he sees this woman sitting on the side of her bed and she's looking great. And John's like, well, what happened? <laughs> and the woman said, she feels fine and the fever's gone. And then she offered to make John breakfast. And he went out, it says this account, and he drove about a block away just shouting, I got one. Or we got one. <laughs> we got one. And that became a beginning of a healing movement that started the Vineyard Churches that is global. And he said that I'd rather, have, uh, I'd rather lay my hands on 100 people and just see one healing than lay my hands on no one and see none. And it's just an incredible reminder to me as I was reading this story just to never give up. To never give up, to never give up in your battle, to never stop fighting the fight of faith. There's a, there's a fight, faith, that only we can do. And we can't defer the fight to someone else. We can't defer our battle to someone else. We can't just stay as a victim and just say, this is, this is not my fight, it's your fight. And I'm not saying fight it alone, but I'm saying that we all have a fight to face and a fight to fight with Jesus. We'll never, get, we'll never move away from turning to his face and needing to see his face looking upon us in the middle of our fight. We need to see his face. We need his face so much. Last week, <laughs> I had a vision of Jesus here, as I shared last week, just standing on stage and uh, really tall. And he had um, a sword, and I saw him as the Prince of Peace. And I knew that it was because he wanted to release peace, that peace can be a fight. You know, it's a fight to enter into our rest, the word says. And so there's, the, there's a battleground for us to receive the Prince of Peace. And I shared that, um, I shared that on, on that um, last week and, and heard, heard some amazing testimonies actually of other people having visions and other people literally receiving back healing. And I wanted them to share this morning, but they couldn't make it. Um, and 
I'm saying this because I believe that we're, I was, this wasn't what I was going to share this Sunday. We were going to go on to another topic. I was like, let's, we've talked about faith so much. People are going to get sick of me talking about faith. But after hearing those testimonies, I was just so reminded that we are in a fight of faith this morning. We are in, there are people in this church that are battling for their breakthrough. You're battling for it and you're fighting and you're contending and maybe that's for healing or maybe that's for finances, maybe that's peace in your home, maybe that's for an unsaved um, loved one, maybe it's for peace in your head. You're in, an, you're in a mental, emotional wrestle at this time and it is a fight of faith. And today I want to just stand here and just remind you that Jesus is your Prince of Peace, that He is your wonderful Counselor, that He is your mighty God, that He is your everlasting Father. And that the government, I get so excited about this when it, when it comes back to the government because it says that his government of peace will know no end. And that's the government that he wants to set up in your mind and in your family and in your business and in your relationships. There's a government thing going on with the fight that you're fighting for at this moment. And I just wonder if we could just stand right now and we'll just grab the band up. It'll be awesome. We're good with that because we're going to, this is the church. This is you fighting your battles. This is you fighting for the person next to you. This is, this is His name that is above all names that we're worshipping. And, you know, He inhabits the praise of our people. So what better way to finish today was just reminding ourselves that if you are in a, you really want breakthrough today. I want to just open up the altar for you. You can come and sing and dance and kneel and just just bring your fight to Jesus today. Don't take your fight home with you without bringing it to Jesus first. Bring your fight to Jesus. Bring your fight to Jesus this morning. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence here right now. Just open your heart to Him right now. Oh, we just open our hearts to You, Jesus. We just open our hearts to You, Holy Spirit. We open our hearts to You right now. And we want to just meet with You in this moment. We just thank You for the spirit of breakthrough being in this place today. We thank You for the spirit of freedom being in this place today. For whom the Son sets free will be free Indeed, and so we thank you that Jesus, you came to bind up the brokenhearted or to heal the brokenhearted. Oh, you came to set free the captives, Jesus. And we thank you that this is a spirit language we're in here right now. We're doing the spirit songs, singing spiritual psalms to one another because that's the place, Jesus, that we want to be. That's the place that we live from, and we praise you today. Let's lift up His name, church.